Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? Just getting ready for some fun NBA preseason basketball two months after the uh, finals ended. Um, it's going to be, can't believe it, but preseason games start in a matter of days. So. It's December and that means preseason basketball. Yeah, when you think Christmas, you think preseason basketball. So here we go. Uh, I'll say it's it's cold in Miami these days, yeah. so it feels like basketball weather. It does, and you see, the, you know, last night was a busy day in college. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I'm, I've got um, my, my Terps getting demolished yeah. on in the background right now uh, as we're recording this. Right, so, college basketball is up and running, and yeah. it seems like there's a there's a game on all day, like some some type of college basketball on all day. So it definitely feels like basketball season, even though the NBA season ended like, yeah. a few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, the Heat uh, and the whole league, I guess, has been at it for basically a week now, right? It started, I think, a week and a half. We're recording this Wednesday, so first official practice was Sunday. Um, yeah. Well, the first workouts that start last Monday, I last think. Last Tuesday. Last Tuesday, so, yeah. December 1st. Um, anything, it seems like it's been pretty quiet. Again, we just talked to all these guys. Um, right. It's basically the same team as it was a year ago. It kind of feels like it's going to be a relatively... Um, uninteresting uh, preseason. Um, any anything that's kind of really stood out just in the first couple of days of, of talking to guys? Jimmy's still Jimmy. Yeah, that's one thing. I, it was like we hadn't talked to Jimmy Butler since, since the, the finals. End of yeah, yeah, since game since the end, you know game six when he lost. Um, it had been about two months since we spoke we spoke to Jimmy, and he 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 spoke to reporters. I think it was I think it was Monday actually, mm-hmm. and it was just classic Jimmy like oh have you reflected on you know last season's playoff success no I don't care about it because we didn't win that's all that matters have yeah. you rewatched any of the finals games no but if I did I would I would only rewatch the four losses uh it, it was it was uh Jimmy was in midseason form for sure so you know you could tell it, that that edge that was there last season is still there um Mainly because Jimmy's on this team, yeah. and he sets the tone. You can kind of see he was setting the tone. You know, someone asked him about, oh, you know, what's the quick turnaround going to be like? Is that going to be tough for you? You played so many minutes. He's like, nobody cares about what I feel like, and every team is going through a, a quick. You know, most teams are going through a quick turnaround, so yeah. it's not an excuse. So you could just tell he was setting the tone um, for the rest of the team because it, you know, it is a quick turnaround for this team, and that is going to be a question. How does Eric Spoelstra manage that? But you know, Jimmy's not going to let that become a talking point uh, to start the season, at least. Yeah, Jimmy and UD setting the tone. We were just talking about before we started recording UD's comments. Uh, yeah. You know, if the, as if the Heat, you know, the Heat are the ultimate, like, they kind of will create fuel out of anything. Um, as if they needed anything, they, you pointed out one line in a Zach Lowe feature about people uh, thinking maybe the Heat's, uh, finals run was a bubble-induced fluke, um, and uh, UD did not take kindly to uh, such suggestions. No, the, I'll, I'll read you the line from the Zach Lowe piece, which was published in late November, kind of a wrap, to wrap up free agency. Uh, if you want to read the whole the whole piece, but the, the line was, there are skeptics around the league who consider Miami's run to the finals something of a fluke, the product of the bubble strangeness. There is no question Miami's militaristic culture steeled the heat for the isolation in all basketball, all the time environment of the bubble. That environment took a toll on other teams. Now, you know, that's, 
I don't think that's crazy to say. I mean, it is a little bit, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, of course the Heat are not going to like that. You know, they, yeah. they, they don't want people questioning the legitimacy of their finals run. Um, and we'll see this season how legitimate it was, right? Like, we'll see how they, you know, they're coming back with pretty much the same roster. Yeah. We're going to see how legitimate that, 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 that run was. But it is kind of cheap to kind of question it just weeks after, I would say. Um, and to not put a name on it. And that's what that's what Udonis was upset about. His Udonis' response was, we don't listen to people who throw rocks and hide their hands. You know what that means? Throw rocks and hide their hands. That means you say something and you act like you don't, you don't say it. He said, who said it? Tell us who said it. If you don't tell us who said it, then we don't care. Some people. Was it some of the people that we probably beat? Get their blank out of here. That's why we beat them. That was his comment. Yeah. So pretty strong comment from UD, but not surprising. I mean, that I'm guessing, you know, Jimmy was asked about this comment as well, and he gave a, a politically correct answer and basically said, you know, I don't care about the outside noise. I don't even listen to that stuff. But you can tell this is going to be a source of motivation for this team uh, entering the season. Yeah, and... I don't know. You know, this is obviously going to be a weird season too. I'm sure some of the uh, the militaristic basketball all the time stuff is, is yeah. going to help the Heat this season too. Yeah, it's another unique season. That's I actually was talking about that with somebody. Like, you know, it's a different. It's different than the bubble. Obviously, like the people are going to be going home. They just have their families. Like, maybe not as rigid. But this is a definitely. This is definitely a, a still a unique season where guys have to be disciplined. They have to be, you know, be cautious. They really probably should stay home more often than not just to prevent, you know, and, and stay away from the virus as much as possible. On the road, they're going to have to be careful. Um, no fans, you're going to have, you know, for, for a lot of arenas, so you're going to have to create your own energy, your own um, drive, and, you know, the heat, we're good at that in the bubble. So I do think you have a point. I think you're right. Like, this is not the bubble, but it's going to be unique, and I still think, it probably benefits the Heat more than most teams. Yeah. So Miami, uh, stop the spread because you don't want to give it to the Tyler Hero at the grocery store. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. I mean, that's you know, the players and the coaches and staff can be as careful as as they you know as possible, and and they'll, they'll try to minimize the risk, obviously. But you know, when you're not in a bubble, there's no yeah. perfect system like. You know, some guys have kids that go to school or daycare or, you know, they see friends or their or their wife sees a friend or their or, or family member. Like it's not it's there's no perfect system where you're not operating in a bubble. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see, I think, you know, how this goes here, because, um, you know, football's every sport's different. Every sport has its pros and cons with how they deal with with what's going on. But basketball rosters are small. So you lose three or four guys and it changes a lot. And it's not one game a week like football where you have room to reschedule stuff. It's if you have to miss a week of games, that's four. That's four games right there with the yeah. way this schedule is structured. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see how this develops here. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think they face a tougher test right now than any of the other sports that have come back. Um, with you know football, as you mentioned, you know, they play once a week. The NFL has shown a willingness to move games like five days, basically, and right. basically reshuffle the whole schedule. Um, and, you know, if 10 guys are out on a football team, it hurts you, but you can still play. I mean, they made the, the Broncos play. Like, the most extreme thing we've seen is the Broncos lost all their quarterbacks and had to play a guy, a wide receiver at quarterback, um, and he was horrific. Um, even baseball, which... 
plays every day, um, and I think was basically a mess with all the double headers and stuff. First of all, you can do double headers in baseball. I don't think we're going to see any double headers in the NBA season. Um, but also, just the COVID situation in this country was in a lot better place in uh, June than it is right now. Um, and that's the challenge, right? Is like the combination basically of like how dire of a situation we are in as a country right now with the coronavirus and the way that an NBA schedule would be affected by a team missing a week. And then just the, obviously the fact that it's going to be easier for an NBA team to basically have to shut things down because if you're, you know, you're missing six guys, you're missing half your roster basically or a third of your roster. Um, it makes this as challenging as, as anything that anyone has faced just in terms of getting it done. Like obviously like the bubble is probably more challenging to like pull off, but just like once the bubble, we knew it worked, we knew it worked. Um, it's, we're never going to have that point in this NBA season until the vaccine's spreading around in, uh, the early part of next year. I hopefully. Yeah. Looking back at the bubble, I was thinking about this. Like, I, I can't believe we even questioned it. Like it. It works so perfectly, and now looking back, what? I know it's crazy. Yeah, like we, we, you know, I was very skeptical that that was even going to work, and man, that they pulled that off perfectly. You know, no players tested positive basically after entering the bubble. Um, so that that worked, that worked perfectly. Obviously, this isn't a bubble, and the NBA is trying to do some stuff to kind of you know limit travel um, by creating these like baseball type series where a team comes into a city and plays both of their games, you know, scheduled for that season yeah. in that one trip. So instead of going to Miami twice, you're going once and you're staying there for three days and playing two games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that that, that stuff will, will help. Um, but you're still having to travel. I mean, the Heat still have to travel to every city in the NBA yeah. at least once. Like, I, I kind of thought entering this year that the NBA would limit, you know, cross-conference games. And they're basically playing a full conference schedule, like a normal season. The, the games that are being chopped off are, are within the conference. So um, they still have to play every Western Conference team twice, uh, once at home and once in the mm-hmm. road. So they still have to go to Portland. They still have to go to, you know, both, you know, play L.A., the Clippers, the Lakers, and, and Sacramento and all that. So it's, it's not going to, you know, it's going to, there are going to be games that are hurt moved. Like it's, it's, it's inevitable. Like there's going to be guys who test positive, unfortunately. It's just, it's going to happen. You're already seeing it with, Portland having to close their facility yeah. earlier this week with, three, you know, three, I think three members of the organization tested positive. Toronto, I don't know if they had to close their facility, but um, they had a few people in their organization test positive as well. So it, it's going to be like that, especially to start off when guys are coming into the market. And then once travel starts, um, you know, that's going to open up another concern. So it's, you know, it's going to be like what you see in football where there's games being moved around all the time. Um, baseball was like that too. Usually once or, or once a week or once every yeah. two weeks, there are games being moved. Like it's going to be in, like that in the NBA too. It's it's really inevitable. Yeah. the The most interesting thing that they've done, I think, is that half. Uh, other than like, I'm sure they have like, I don't know about like, I'm sure they're testing every day. Like they've they've got the, like the, kind of the basics down. The most yeah. interesting thing okay. they've done is kind of doing the half schedule at a time, uh, yeah. where like they're gonna. Basically remake the schedule. I, I guess in January they'll, they'll probably put out the second half of the schedule. I would I, guess. I actually think it's closer to March. Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. So they're really like, you know, it gives them a little bit of flexibility there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 
I'd love to see some AAU style doubleheaders, and we might have to because it's just hard to imagine that um, they're going to get this all the way through, right? Without some significant schedule overhauling, um, right. because not just because of not just because of like, over, but also it's it's a compressed schedule, right? Like they're playing more frequently yes, than they are yes, in a normal but, season, so it's not like. Right. You know, in a normal season, you get a doubleheader once every two weeks, basically, something like that. Um, like a back-to-back, I mean. Um, and, you know, every a couple of weeks you have a stretch where maybe you have two days off between games uh, or a couple stretches like that. Those just aren't frequent now. Like, if, if you show up to Portland um, to play on January 4th um, and the Blazers have a, a – Positive test. They they can't play that day. They hope hope they can uh, you know maybe just delay it a day or whatever. And you have a game on January fifth in L A. Like what what happens? Like it's just it's like an impossible. Yeah. Uh, just the way the ske- the compression of the schedule. Um, you just have to keep moving, basically. Yeah, you're just going to be constantly on the move, and um, yeah. I, I know you can't do a bubble again, but. I, I yeah. do wonder if we're going to get to second half of the season and uh, they're going to have to alter it. Although, you know, of course, the strange part of this is, like I said, they're going at this in the, the worst the pandemic has been in terms of community spread and stuff like that. By the time we get to the second half of the season, it might be more manageable. Um, right now, it just it feels like it's going to be tough to get through that opening stretch of the season. Um, and obviously, that's just a bad it – was, it's kind of the same thing baseball had where – we got through the first weekend of the season and it was a mess and it just like, it's a stink that stays with the season all year long, even though, you know, they got through the playoffs. Um, and ultimately the playoffs, well, I shouldn't say went off without a hitch because obviously the Justin Turner thing was, yeah. it was like a perfect bookend to that disaster season. That was but interesting. Like, yeah. It's just a stink. You know, if we, if there's two games canceled on Christmas, like it's just going to be a stink that stays with the season all year long. Yeah. And, and it's not only like, I mean, every sport deals with this, but let's say the Heat are good, but they just played a team that two players tested positive, yeah. like a day later or two days later. Like now, do the Heat have to cancel their like? Obviously, it'll depend on testing, but do you have to wait like just in case because the test might not, you know, they, it might be too quick of a turnaround, you know, for the for the test to be positive because of the incubation period. Like, do the Heat then have to cancel their next game just in case or? Um, it's going to be, there's a lot of great areas. Like, how many players will it take for a game to be canceled? Will it be, you know, five, six guys? Will it depend on which guys are the ones that are affected? Um, I don't think that's clearly defined yet. It's going to be kind of a, I guess, make it up as you go type of deal, um, which I think everybody's doing the same thing. I mean, right. nobody, there's no, there's no guy to be working through a, a pandemic of this kind. So, uh, it really is going to be like we're going to be learning stuff as the days go by. I mean, you talk to, you know, Eric Spolstra and pl- different Heat players, and they're like, we get a different memo every day. Like, I can't yeah. keep up. Yeah. Like, it, basically, the teams are just having, like, uh, an educational session, like, every few days just to keep guys informed and giving them the highlights and kind of boiling down what they need to know instead of having them having to read, you know, the, like, the, the the handbook came out last week, and it was 150-something pages of small font like guys don't have time to read that yeah. so it's going to be a learning process for everybody and the other point i'll make is the nba is a unique situation like like you've said like they're starting at a very bad point in this pandemic but 
by the time we get to March, like 25, 30% of the country could be vaccinated, hopefully, you know, or, or, or April, let's say, or by the time they get to the playoffs, like yeah. a good amount of this country could be vaccinated. So will things look different? Will they still take a cautious approach to, to make sure, you know, just in case, like this thing is going to evolve a lot during these next four or five months. Let's play the finals outside. Hey, I'm down. That's what That'd I'm be sweet, Park. honestly. Play them at Marlins Park. Yeah, that's not. I mean, it's gonna be kind of hot in the summer, though, in uh, in Miami. I think they would have to do it like somewhere, but it, like do it at um, Chicago or something. Yeah, or in uh, like MetLife or something, or or even out in LA. You know, just make the guys happy, make the players happy. Yeah, but Martin's Park has the AC in there. That's true. Yeah, you can obviously, you know, you got the, if it rains, you could throw the roof up for a little bit. Um, a rain delay in the final. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't remember if we've talked about it in this podcast before, but my favorite dumb thing college basketball ever did was uh, the aircraft carrier games. Do you remember when that was a thing, like, seven, eight years ago? Yeah. It was not long ago. I feel like I just watched one of those games. Like yeah, they still do them. They do them like on military bases more now. I remember when I was in college, my junior year, I think. So it have been 2013. Um, Syracuse played on an aircraft carrier in uh, San Diego against San Diego State, I believe. Okay. I don't, Speaking I, of, was Kawhi on that team? I don't think Kawhi was on that team. How long ago was it? It was like, it probably would have been the year right after Kawhi. Okay, yeah, it was probably right after. Um, I wasn't actually, now that you mentioned Syracuse, I wanted to bring this up. B.J. Johnson, I know he didn't oh, play yeah. in Syracuse, but the, he added him on an Exhibit 10. Philly um, kid. He's like a, was he's, a, he's like he was a, a Dion replacement, a Philly guy from Syracuse. Right. What, what, do you know, what do you know about him? Like, good shooter. He's, yeah, he seems to be a good scorer. Yeah. At Syracuse, he was like kind of a guy who came – I think he was actually like recruited like right as I was leaving. Like I remember fo- like following his recruitment. Um mm-hmm. A good shooter. Like, that was what his rep was coming to Syracuse. And I think at LaSalle, like, obviously, that's down a level. Um, he gets to do a little bit more there. But I, I would think that he kind of view him as, you know, in the kind of like Gabe Vincent-ish mold, yeah. right, of like just a, a guy who, you know, if you need to press him in a minute, some minutes, he's going to be comfortable hitting an open corner three, basically. Yeah, and, I think and he averaged like 20 points a game in the G League last season. Yeah. Like, he's a pretty – pretty good offensive player and he's more of a wing than Gabe Vincent but yes yeah he's more of like a two three yeah whereas Vincent's a one two right but offensively he seems to be more polished than most of the exhibit 10 guys on the roster just because you know he has college experience he was a two-way guy last year probably a four-year college player I would assume yeah I think so because he played after transfer I think he played two years on the south yeah but um yeah BJ Johnson talk how about that on the podcast all right, um, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about some less exciting NBA players like James Harden and Bradley Beal. All right, we are back. Um, we didn't record last week. Um, we thought about maybe recording because I think, like, the night we usually record or maybe the night before we usually record, um, the Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade happened, um, obviously, uh, of interest to Heat fans because of Heat fans' interest in uh, Bradley Beal. Uh, we've got James Harden probably going to get traded at some point. I feel pretty comfortable saying probably at this point because it does not seem to be going well for him uh, with him between him and Houston. Um, and even today, Giannis, it, it does, doesn't sound like that um, extension is imminent. Do you want where do you want to start? Um, I guess we could start at James Harden just because that's been like 
that's been the dominant story this yeah, week. Yeah, that's been the say. dominant storyline over the past few days. I mean, look, the Heat have not been mentioned yes. as one as a specific team. That well, didn't, wasn't it reported that maybe he like would accept a trade to the Heat or something? Um, I have not seen that. I, I what I've seen is, you know, obviously the Brooklyn stuff. Yeah, you would like to go to Brooklyn and team up with KD and Kyrie, um, and also Philly. You know, there's that that obvious connection with uh, with um, God. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting his name, but the the former Rockets GM Daryl Morey in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the and honestly, it's like Philadelphia has the like if they wanted to do a trade. Uh, and trade Ben Simmons right. for they can do Richie an easy Hartley. one for one swap. Basically. Yeah, that, that that seems to make sense for both sides. Um, but then there was a report that came out uh, on Tuesday that said he's he's also open to basically being dealt to another contender. Mm-hmm. Which you would think that he would Count be on that category. list because yeah. they're an, they're an intriguing team. They have a good core. He's a guy that could take this team to the next level. Um, so you think you would think they would you know be on that list, but. Here's the thing, you know, to get James Harden, you're not going to, I know fans, you know, they always want to get the guy like James Harden, but never want to give up any of their guys. You're not going to get James Harden without giving up Tyler Hero. Yeah. So that that's the starting point right there. Like, are you willing to give up Tyler Hero for James Harden? And that's a question. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It's a tough question. As crazy as that sounds, I know James Harden is probably a top 10 player in the league, I would say for sure. Maybe you could say top five. Yeah, I think he's a lot closer to top five than he is to yeah. top 10. Yeah, you know, the, probably the best scorer in the league, um, definitely. Um, so, yeah, he would help the Heat. But does he fit, you know, quote-unquote culture defensively? How would his game impact Bam and and, uh, and Jimmy? And, look, the Heat have one – they basically have one – like, for all this talk we do about adding another star, they're going to have one go at it. Like, the next star they add, this is their core for the right. next – Four years, so they have to like. It's not like oh, we'll try James Harden for a couple years and then we'll get. No, this is it. Like, Jimmy's thirty-one. He has like three prime years left, maybe. Like, you have to go for it now, and whatever you get is going to be the guy you go you go for it with. So, is Harden that guy? And are you yeah. willing to trade Tyler Hero? That, that's a really good point um, because James Harden has been over the last five six years, kind of the ultimate like, and part of this is probably Daryl Morey too, but. Uh, the ultimate, like, give it a year and see how it goes, right? Like, we, how many superstars have cycled in there in the last four years? Like, they've had, they went from Dwight to Chris Paul to uh, Russell, Russell Westbrook. And, like, yeah. a lot of those things were done in two years. And fortunately for the Rockets, they felt like, you know, we could basically, all right, just take another crack at it. We've got James locked up. As you noted, if the first two years don't work and Jimmy Butler is 34 and, um, yeah, he's been great, obviously, right now. But Jimmy Butler has the profile of a guy who is not going to age super gracefully, um, especially with how the, the amount of miles he's basically put on his body. Um, yeah, it could get dicey um, pretty quickly. And, and you go from being – I mean, how often do you, does this story happen in the NBA where – and very, the Heat are obviously better than a lot of these teams that kind of fall in this category because they went to a finals. But how many times is like the young up and coming team like really interesting? And then two years later, it's like, oh, their window is over. Yeah. And, and I don't think also we, we can't ignore the fact that, look, James Harden likes to have fun at night. Like, <laughs> I think that's, 
been well reported and well documented. This week it's been well reported and well documented. Yeah, I I like to have fun at night. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, is that a good fit for Mr. Jimmy Butler, who wants to be working out at 3 a.m. and expects everyone to be following his lead, always in the gym? Like, I don't know. Like, I I don't know if that would clash. You know, it'd be interesting to cover, I guess. But (laughs) I I just don't know. I, I question the fit. I think we get to relive some of those Shaq days we've heard about. Yeah, I, I, maybe that would be that would be it would be like covering those 2006 that the 2006 championship team. I mean, James Harden still is great, even though he he likes to go out and enjoy himself. That's fine, um, but I just wonder the fit basketball wise, you know, with the way he plays, um, and then also um, off the court wise with the way that he do things. So. Um, I, I don't know. I you know. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's. I think it's a discussion you have to have if you're if you're a Heat front office, you know, part of the Heat front office. But I'm not so sure it's the best fit. Do you think Jimmy has reached the in his one year here has reached the stature where basically he would be able to veto a James Harden move? Um, I think I don't again. I don't know what their relationship is like, yeah. but like you were saying, it makes sense that their personalities would clash. You know, I I actually think Jimmy holds James in high regard. I think he's really. I think Jimmy really. I mean, I think it was last year. Actually, did something with uh, I forget who it was. Maybe the Players Tribune or somebody else that he said James Harden was like the his the hardest guy to guard or something like that. So I think Jimmy holds him in high regard, but. Um, Again, it's, it's it's the other stuff that you wonder if it would clash, right. you know, once he got here. But I, I don't know if Jimmy has the power to unilaterally veto a trade, but I definitely think they would go to him and be like, what do you think? You know, yeah. I, I think his voice would definitely carry weight. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I would say that. Like, I don't think he could, you know, I would say, I don't want that. And they, they wouldn't go after him because Jimmy didn't want him. But I think his he would definitely have a strong influence. Yeah. Uh, and the exact, and sort of similarly to that is why I... I I know some Heat fans are getting excited about that wall for Westbrook trade um, as if it like signaled that Beal was on his way out. But um, the Heat are a team that I feel like has the, the clout and the power to like basically do whatever and like their superstars will like listen. Um, the Wizards are not that kind of team. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that Beal for Westbrook trade happens if uh, Bradley Beal did not okay it, which, you know, maybe Beal still gets dealt at the deadline because it's a disaster. But um, I don't think that trade makes means like, all right, they're getting rid of everyone. Like they made the Wiz made that trade um, because they you know think that they have a better chance to win with Wall or with Westbrook and Beal than with Wall and Beal. Um, and winning, they yeah, hope yeah, they'll make Beal happy. Definitely, and they, and they and the Heat are in a position where they're worried about losing Jimmy or Bam. You know they're not they're not worried they're not worried like oh we gotta right exactly surround with guys they like because then they'll, if not they'll demand a trade like I think with Bradley Beal the feeling is you can't really make him unhappy because he could demand a trade and then you're you'll be you'll be in Houston's position where you're left trying to get the best possible package for a star who wants out so I think you're right I think the Wizards probably did say Brad are you good with this and I'm guessing you know the fact since they made the deal he okayed it so. Um, yeah, I think I think it's to- two totally different situations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on the Beal thing. It's it's just we're in total wait and see mode. I think. With yeah. Him. Exactly. Nothing has changed. You know, like you know, we know that he 
like Beal, we know that if, if Beal was available, that you know they would be one of the teams you know strongly pursuing Bradley Beal, but he's not available right now. At least from what we know, like the Wizards are going to try to see what this looks like with Russ and and Bradley Beal, and I guess like you said, wait and see. You know, maybe in March things change and you know things aren't working out in Washington, and Bradley Beal wants to wants to leave, and and the Wizards kind of see what's out there. But for now, um, it doesn't seem like like Bradley Beal is available. Yeah. Um, last topic on the superstar list I have here is uh, Giannis. His comments today, kind of a, I don't know how big of a story it is, but the uh, you read me the quote earlier, basically, or, yeah. or the tweet. Um, I, I don't know if you still have it in front of you. Yeah, but, I have it. Okay. I'm not focused on that. I know my agent, basically, and, and Buck's general manager and the Bucks ownership are focused on those discussions, but I'm trying to focus on myself. Yeah, that's a, so, the Supermax deal. Um, yeah. Does not sound like a guy who's about to sign a Supermax tonight. Right. I mean, it, maybe maybe it'll sound like a guy going to sign a supermax in a week or whatever. I don't even know what's the deadline. December twenty one, basically the eve of the season. Okay. So the, he has basically like two weeks. You know, he has time. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, if you're the Heat, I, I wonder not if you just want if you want him to sign it because you can't really sign him in a free agency anyway at this point. Um, and if he's a free agent, more teams that have cap space will be able to to try to lure him, lure him, you know, so maybe you want him to sign that extension and and you're going to have to require him through a trade anyway. So maybe next offseason, if things will work out in Milwaukee, Giannis demands a trade and the Heat acquire him that way. Um, so I don't know how much this really impacts the Heat because, again, they they unless they just blow up the roster and give up Tyler Hero for nothing, give up Duncan Robinson for nothing and do all that type of stuff, then they're not going to have cap space to sign Giannis. So they're going to have to acquire him through a trade anyway. So I I don't know really how much this impacts the Heat because, again, it's going to take a trade to get Giannis. Yeah. I mean, I think it just gives us a window, right, into his thinking, essentially. Like, if he yeah. signs that extension, it means, you know, it means he's happy. He's confident. He, you know, like you said, it can change in a year. But if he doesn't sign the Supermax, then, like... Hold on to your butts, basically. Like that means right. it's gonna happen. And I've and I've heard some reporting too. I'm not reporting this myself, but I've heard reporting too that you know there could be that discussion between the Bucks and Giannis of like, look, sign this. It's good for you financially. And if you're Milwaukee, you want him to sign it because you have him under. Then you have him under contract. But Milwaukee also tells him, look, if you're not happy in a year, we'll help you get to where you want to get to. You know, like let's let's work together. Sign it. It's good for both sides. And then in a year we'll discuss and if you don't if you're not happy we'll, we'll be willing to move you um to uh to a place you want to go to just like uh, i think it was reported that oklahoma city did that with paul george and that was one of the reasons paul signed and uh resigned in oklahoma city because they gave him that assurance of if you're not happy then then we'll you know we'll, we'll facilitate something for you so and they did that look he got to la which is where he wanted to be um so i, I don't know if you know again Giannis signing that contract i guess could be a signal that he's happy um, but it could all it all it also could be part of a a wink wink discussion mm-hmm. of you know we'll we'll work with you if if you're not if this is not where you want to be next off season yeah and I think we talked about this after the Bam extension like most of the Heat's great players they get are through trades like yeah it, it's kind of the thing that gets forgotten when you talk about oh they signed LeBron oh they signed uh, Jimmy they did sort of but they also basically traded for them. They also yeah. technically traded for them. They had to trade for Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, they Jimmy had to. Was, 
Jimmy, I know Jimmy was a free agent, but that was not a free agency acquisition. Like that was a trade. They had no cap space. Yeah. Um, and they needed to. They traded Josh Richardson, which is one of their biggest assets at the time, and Hassan Whiteside, which was their max player, um, to get Jimmy and make that work because they had no space. So, yeah, you're right. Like they got so much talk is about free agency and the Heat, you know, landing the big guys in free agency. But most of the guys they acquire, most of the stars they acquire, have been through trade, and and. It seems like that's how they're going to have to acquire their next guy because, again, they're not going to have max space next offseason. So it's Bradley Beal, James Harden, you know, Victor Oladipo, um, Giannis. Uh, it's, it's, it's very likely that it's going to take a trade to, to get one of those guys here. Yeah, it is a different world, the NBA free agency market, than it was uh, when we were uh, growing up. Yeah, I think part of that is just like the player empowerment. Yeah, obviously. Ron Sarden, yeah. Where guys like... They basically take the money. You know, Giannis can sign, get the most money at Milwaukee, so he signs that. You know, it assures him of that of that supermax deal, where he can only get in Milwaukee. But they ha- they still have leverage as a star. You have leverage. Look at look at James Harden. He has two or three years left on his contract, and he's gonna get traded most likely, like yeah. because he wants out. So um, they know that they have the power to be moved, even even if they have years left on their deals. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, anything else before we wrap up here? No, I mean, next week we're going to have... A preseason uh, game, what, Monday, I think? Monday, we're going to have an bas- actual basketball game to talk about. Yeah, so, that's kind of crazy. Um, that'll be... that'll be. I mean, it, 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 it wasn't a normal offseason where we've gone like four or five months without a basketball game, but still, it's been a couple months, so that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also not as excited as I would normally be in the uh, preseason, right? Like, cause, because, like you mentioned, there's the, the shorter layoff that we had. But also, like, college basketball is really in full swing. So it's not like I'm, like, fiending for basketball in the same right. way I usually am in, like, mid-November. Right, or in October in preseason, yeah. when preseason's kicking off. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how teams, especially, like, the Heat and the Lakers, handle preseason. Like I, I don't. I think I saw that LeBron and Anthony Davis weren't playing in their preseason opener. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat went that route with their guys, just because what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, so it could be a very like preseason light in the NBA this year, just because of the of the circumstances. Gonna spend a lot of time writing about Precious Achua. Yeah, Achua. Precious Achua and BJ Williams. Uh, BJ Johnson, sorry. BJ Williams, BJ Johnson, those type of guys. Like I, I think it's gonna be uh, Gabe Vincent's probably to go for thirty one night. So, um, yeah, hey man, I, normally I would just shrug a thirty point random preseason game off, but Kendrick Nunn did it last year and then ended up being the runner up for rookie of the year. So, forty points, forty, yeah, forty points. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn went off in that preseason finale, and that was the the famous night that Dion went off on Eric Spoelstra and then got suspended. Yeah. <laughs> The start of not a great year for Dion, but it ended with a. Champion. It ended with a champion. I think it's hard to say it was not a great year. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it was a good year. It was a shaky year, but it, but it, the end was was positive for him. Yeah. What that? He um he had like an all time like pandemic glow up basically. I guess he signed before the pandemic started. He signed right before. I think it was like March. Yeah, yeah it was right literally. Like was it Jr. who signed like? when they were coming back, basically like whoever the yep. guys were that signed with the Lakers, like during the pandemic to show up to the bubble for three months and then win a ring and not play at all. Like if you're going to, that's, it's a pretty good way to spend your pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. The JR was that JR signed, I think right after, like right when the season was about to restart yeah. and then got a ring. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's, that's a, that's an efficient way to get a championship ring. Yeah. All right. Um, let's finish there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Um, he's got all your Heat preseason coverage. You can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson two. Um, National Signing Day next week, so I'm, I'm pretty busy with that for the most part. Um, but yeah, thanks as always for listening, and uh, we will talk to you guys next week with some real basketball to discuss. Real, sort of real basketball to discuss. <laughs>